0: Worship the Lord today? Amen. Amen. If you love church, say amen. 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 Church is a a special place, and uh, I'm so happy to be back with you. We're here February 12th. Uh, This was the first church that Mary and I came to after the transition of going from senior pastor for 31 years at East Mesa Baptist to staff evangelist, pastor emeritus, and uh, been in about 14 churches since. And your church has such a wonderful spirit, uh, such a a great pastor and his wife, and we're so happy to be here today. This theme, Build It Together, that's an interesting theme because God in the Bible uh, has a lot of metaphors for the church. Anybody think of a metaphor that God describes the church as? What, what, What can the church be described as? Somebody... What can it be? De- Body. Body, somebody else, bride. bride. Yes, sir. Sound man. <laughs> somebody else. What? What else? Could the church be described? Could it be described as a family? And could it be described as a, a building? We're building up. Now, the building really isn't the church. The church meets here. Amen. Your pastor uses the word gather, and uh, you know. Not meeting on Wednesday night because the building might fall in. Aren't you glad the church isn't God? God will never fall in. Amen. Some call the church a lighthouse. When we meet here, we are the light of the world. We're salt and we're light. Someone said the church is like a train. Some get on. Some get off. The pastor's job is to keep it on the tracks. Amen. (laughs) And... I I know the body, the bride, the family. It's a called-out assembly. The church is a place where you can come and meet new friends. But most of all, the church is a place where you come and you hear the Word of God and your faith is built. Amen? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I'm thankful for the church. I, I'm a, I'm a local church guy. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't have... Uh, a church background. I got saved at 18, praise God, about 40, I'm going to be 64, so 45 years ago. And I came to church not knowing what church was all about. I didn't have a Bible, didn't know how to pronounce the words in the Bible, and I just started learning. I started learning. And one of the first things I learned in the church uh, has the last four Letters is S-H-I-P, ship. And I thought the church is kind of like a ship. You get on the ship and, and you navigate through life and praise God, Jesus is the captain of the ship, amen? And the Bible says in Hebrews that we have an anchor. We have an anchor. So this morning I would like to speak to you on four ships in the church, four ships in the church. Take your Bible and go with me to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. The first time that this word was mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 22. And can anybody tell me what we find in the church that ends in the word ship? That ends in the word ship. Genesis twenty-two. Can you can you think of something in the Bible that describes the church? Something we find in the church. Something we find. Yes, ma'am. Fellowships. One. Somebody else. Worship. Thank you. That's the one we're going to do now. The first time worship is found in the Bible is found in Genesis twenty-two and verse five. You just for backstory. You remember Abraham was told to take his son, his only son, and take him up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice his son. And they got the wood for the offering, they got the flint and, and Isaac said to his daddy, "Daddy, here's the flint and and the flint, but where's the Where's the offering? Where's the sacrifice?" And very prophetically speaking, Abraham said to his son, "Son, God will provide Himself a sacrifice. Very prophetic. Wasn't God our sacrifice? Didn't God provide His Son? But when they got up there, we know there was a ram caught in the thicket. But I want to draw your attention to this word that we find in the church that's one of the main functions of the church. Look at Genesis 22 and go to verse number 5, if you would. Genesis 22, verse 5. Abraham said unto his young men... Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and, say it with me, worship worship and come again to you. Let's pray. Father, help us today to understand these four ships in the church. And God, I pray that we would be on board. I pray, Lord, that we would understand the importance of these functions that the Bible says for the church. Thank you for each one here Lord, the members, the attenders, the first-time guests today, may we receive something from the Bible that we can take with us today. And God, if there's anybody here that just isn't 150% sure that if they died today, tomorrow, next week, or next month, or next year, that they would go to heaven, may today be their day of salvation. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, and help us to understand what worship is. We ask this now in Jesus' name and for His sake, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, what was Abraham going to do with Isaac? He was taking him up there to sacrifice him. Sacrifice him. Worship involves sacrifice. Worship involves giving. Romans chapter 12, if you would go there, please. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. You know, before a person can worship God, they must first Give themselves to God. Romans chapter 12, if you would. Romans chapter 12. The Bible says in Romans 12, when you get there, say amen. I beseech you, testing one, two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, Ladies and gentlemen, is it not reasonable that we serve God, we give Him our time, our talents, and our treasures for all that He's done for us? It's reasonable service. We could never repay Him for dying on the cross for our sins, forgiving us of our sins. We could never repay that. But giving Him back, giving Him the praise, the honor, and the glory that's due His name, That is worshiping Him, presenting ourselves a living sacrifice. The Bible says they first gave of themselves, and then they gave others. I tell people during the offering time at our church, I said, before you ever pull out your wallet and put something in the offering plate, why don't you just step into the offering plate? (laughs) Give God yourself. Amen? He doesn't want your money. He wants you. Amen? So present yourselves a living sacrifice. And to sacrifice means you give up something. When when you got saved, you had to humble yourself and say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. You present yourself a living sacrifice, holy. We're only made holy by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acceptable unto God. God only accepts worship from those who are saved, who have put all their faith, all their trust, and all their hope in Jesus Christ which is your reasonable servant, and be not conformed to this world. You know, everybody wants to be like everybody else. And the world wants to dress like the world, act like the world. But God wants us not to be conformed to the world, but God wants us to be like Him. Amen? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, the Bible says we must worship in spirit and in truth. You remember the woman at the well said, said we, we worship, you, you don't know what you worship. But we, there's coming a day when the true worshipers, this power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. That's why when we come to church, where we get faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And the Holy Spirit and the word of God Causes us to understand the Bible, then we can worship God in the proper way. So the first ship in the church really is worship, and we come to worship, give Him the praise, honor, and glory to His name. People say, "I can." Wor- I live on a golf course at Power and Broadway, and Sunday mornings they're out there like this. I like to go out my back door, and I like to because there's a there's a, a hole right kind of not too far away. And I like to go out there and yell, four! <laughs> and you know, just mess them up, right? And I've talked to golfers on Sundays when I'm going. And you know what they tell me, Pastor Henry? They say, we can worship God on the golf course. We can worship God in nature. We were in Sedona with our granddaughter not too long ago, and there was a bumper sticker that said, my church is in nature. And I thought to myself, we worship God in his house with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Number two, there's another ship in the church, and one of the ladies got it. It's called fellowship. That's a ship we all need. God puts the solitary in families. When you got saved, you got a heavenly father. And guess what else you got? Anybody else want to tell me what else you got when you got saved besides a father? You got brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, you got a family. When I met my wife, I was 17, she was 18, and she seven in her family, five brothers, two girls, and my hair was down to here, and I was I had gotten kicked out of my house at 16 and a half because my dad got saved and I didn't want to get saved. So he said, I got six under you, and if you don't do what you should do, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back. So I, I was like a, like a little street urchin. Got a room across from the high school. I was going into 12th grade. It was the summer between 11th grade and 12th grade. And I was smart enough to know I needed to finish high school. So I met Mary. She was like, uh, you know what a Circle K is? Well, in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, uh, where I was from, there was a, a Valley Dairy store. Same thing, convenience store. And I went in there, and she was behind the counter I knew her brother from high school, from chemistry class. And I saw her, and I asked her out on a date, and she brought me home mother. And her mother took me in as the sixth son, set a plate at the table, and just treated me with love. And they were staunch, hardcore Catholic. Of course, I wasn't, we weren't saved at the time. But when I married Mary, I got a mother-in-law, a father-in-law, a brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws when you got saved you got brothers and sisters in christ because you have the same father so the church is a family and when the family meets we just went to north dakota and had a family reunion on her cousin's side and there were some cousins that didn't make it and everybody felt bad and they missed those cousins You know, when we have church, and you come, and you're not here, and the brothers and sisters are here, they miss you. They miss you, and legitimately. So, you know, I tell people for 31 years in my church, I said, Well, I, I don't do much in church. It really doesn't matter if I'm there all the time. I said, Yeah, it does. Just your presence is encouraging to others, because the family misses you. You have a family dinner and you set the table, and some of your family members don't come, do you miss them? Oh, yeah, you miss them. You certainly miss them. So fellowship, go to 1 John 1, seven. 1 John 1, seven. fellowship is so important. And when you come out of the world, and, you know, the world is rude and crude, and and mean and they have a bad attitude, but you can come to God's house and meet people that legitimately care for you and legitimately love you. Amen. Yes. First John 1 7 says this. 1 John 1 7, that's 1, 2, 3, little John at the back of the Bible. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have say it with me fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, sometimes people get out of fellowship with God. You get crossways with God. And then you don't feel like going to the family because your brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, no, well, he's not right with God. Or maybe he's a little backslidden. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have what? Fellowship. Our fellowships with Him... But our fellowship, you see, ladies and gentlemen, when my dad gave me the woohoo right out of the house when I wouldn't get saved and go to his church, my fellowship with my earthly father was broken. And me and my dad, Brother Henry, were like this. From the time I was a five-year-old boy, my dad took me to work with him. He owned a construction company. He was a cement mason, block layer, brick layer poured driveways and sidewalks and parking lots. And I would go with him all the time. And I loved my dad. Oh, we were like this. But boy, when he booted me out of the house, you talk about tough love, and he ostracized me and said and he tried to take the keys to my 68 GTX 440 Magnum that I had when I was 17, and he tried to say you can't stay out all night anymore. You have to come in at 10 and 12. That's just the way God wants me to raise you now, son. And what does a wild horse do, brother Henry, when you put him in a corral? <laughs> You jumped the corral. I remember looking at my dad in the face, and I said, This, I need to sow my wild oats. I can't even believe I said that. My dad was a big construction guy. You know, I was just amazed that he just didn't go, You little punk. But boy, my fellowship was broken with my dad. So now I didn't have any fellowship with a heavenly father, I didn't have a vertical relationship with my heavenly father. And my horizontal relationship on earth with my earthly father was broken. I had to go get a job at a gas station. And that's the days you pump gas. My dad brought his construction vehicles, his tractors in, and he wouldn't even look at me and he'd say, fill it up. And I'd be filling my dad's tank. And we were totally out of fellowship. Well, long story short, when I met Mary, I thought maybe he'll think better of me if I bring her over to his house and say, hey dad, I'm not such a bad guy, look what I found. So uh, I'm, I'm kid you not. So he says to me, Well, son, if she's so good, bring her to church then. I said, Okay, brought her to church. She got saved. I kid you not. So a month later I got saved. My fellowship was restored with both my fathers. <laughs> My heavenly father and my earthly father. We went back into business again, Brother Henry. But my dad had slipped a disc in his back and couldn't do construction work for two years. So him and I opened a muscle car restoration shop. Camaros, Chevelles, uh, Corvettes, El Caminos, Novas, Firebirds. It it was just fun. We had these North Dakota rust buckets. We bought them for five and puttied them up and sold them for a thousand. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm preaching, man. (laughs) Yeah. They go for a bump and the putty broke and cracked. But the point is, in the church, we have fellowship with Jesus Christ and we have fellowship with each other. Some of my best friends I've met in the church. Mary and I, that's one big thing we miss about being on the road all the time is our friends at church. The fellowship that we have They care about you. They pray for you. That's why you come and you get real people, not superficial people That like when the prodigal son went out and he had the bucks, and then they were partying. But when the money was gone, what happened to the friends? They're gone. A real friend, the Bible says, sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend of sinners, and Jesus loves you. And Jesus died for you, and He wants to save you, and He wants to have fellowship with you because the fellowship with God was broken by, somebody tell me, sin. sin. Adam and Eve had a perfect environment. They had a, a perfect relationship with God until they sinned. Sin is transgression of the law. They disobeyed God. We're guilty. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all like sheep have gone astray. You see, maybe you have some kids that aren't serving God or maybe they're not saved yet. Don't Don't beat yourself up. Adam and Eve were perfect parents and their two kids, one of them killed the other because sinners sin. But I'm here today to tell you, God forgives sin. God forgives sin through Jesus Christ. And if you don't come back into a relationship with Him and have your sins forgiven and put under the blood, just like we sang today, Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now you know I don't do special music. But but I will tell you this. If you're saved, you'll know it. I ask people all the time, are you going to heaven when you die? Well, I hope so, maybe so, guess so. I said you can know so. The Bible says in 1 John 5.13, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know it. And a lot of times they say, well, it's up to God. He'll decide when I get there. Like like he would take the scale and he would, he would take and put your good stuff here and your bad stuff here and you go, whoa, 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 whoa ah, oh, I hope my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff. Can our good stuff ever outweigh our bad stuff? No. We're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace, unmerited favor. We're saved by God's goodness. We're saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary to wash our sins away, to bring us back into fellowship with God. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, we can't get on the worship ship until we get on the fellowship ship in the church. There's a third one, and that's what I call discipleship, discipleship. Go with me to Matthew 28 and verse 20. When you got saved and you got in a church, or if you're not in a church, let me recommend this church to you. You can learn a lot about the Bible. You can learn a lot about um, loving God and serving God. You can fellowship. You can worship. But getting discipleship, that's being trained and being taught. And in Matthew 28, that's what Jesus said when he commissioned the apostles He said in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So when you get on the discipleship ship, you're being taught what the Bible says. You know, you can't be too hard on somebody that got saved, but has never been discipled. They don't know. You know, and and you don't treat them like, oh, you dummy. By now you should. But there's some people that have been saved a long time. And the Bible says, oh, by now they should be a teacher. But now they got to go back to what? Milk. Yeah, because you throw them a steak out of the Bible, and they go, (laughs) you ever try to give a, uh, if you try to give Rusty's new grandbaby (laughs) a steak, what's the baby going to (laughs) do? Probably give it back and say it's not done right. (laughs) No, you give them them the steak. They can't handle the steak. They need some milk. And sometimes you got to put some chocolate and strawberry in it. I like chocolate (laughs) milk myself, but. Anyway, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded, and I'm with you always, even so discipleship. If you want to learn about God, you got to get on the ship. you got to get on the discipleship. When I got saved, this church, it was Bible Baptist Church in East Grand Forks, Minnesota, which the Red River was here. Here's Minnesota, here's North Dakota. I was 18, and Mary and I weren't married yet, and they said, we have discipleship class every Sunday at 5 o'clock. Then we have worship at six, Wednesday night we have seven o'clock service. Sunday morning we have Sunday school at ten o'clock, worship at eleven. So I counted in my head nine, ten, six, or five and six. That's four times Sunday, and then Wednesday. That's five times a week. these people want me to be here. <laughs> Keep in mind, I wasn't raised in a church. I didn't wasn't like used to any of this stuff. so I thought, Well, if I'm to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, and if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, and if I'm going to listen to my pastor, because the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls, for they must give an account. Like, So for 31 years, I was like, Oh, Lord, I thought I was just accountable for myself, not accountable for all these people, but I was accountable for what I told them. Now, what you do with it, that's another thing. But discipleship. So Mary and I decided to go to discipleship. And we decided to go to Sunday school. And we decided to go to Sunday morning church and Sunday night church and Wednesday night church. And boy, I'm telling you, I tell you this we would not be where we're at 45 years later if we wouldn't have got discipled. Yeah. And the only way we got disciples is we gotta get we had to get on the ship. And there was a whole bunch of people that got on that ship in 78 when we got saved. But after a while, I look around in the discipleship class, Brother Henry, and they were gone. You know what they did? They jumped ship. <laughs> the, the, man overboard. Man overboard. They jumped ship discipleship is so important if you want to learn how to serve god learn how to love god learn to study the bible you got to get on the ship discipleship and and your worship will be so much better and your fellowship in that discipleship class is where we made a lot of our friends what does the bible say about iron somebody tell me sharpeneth iron thank you sound man he's (laughs) he's really wanting to get involved all of a sudden this head comes around like this and he goes (laughs) good man because I was giving him grief I said man you're stuck back here in this cupboard how do you see me (laughs) and he said I said how do you see me and he punched the buttons and woof there there was the front I said wow worship discipleship stewardship fellowship now stewardship let's go to 1 Corinthians 4 In verse 2. Anybody know what a steward is? What's one word that describes a steward? Caretaker. How about manager? Anybody here ever been a manager at your job? Raise your hand. Manager, manager, manager. Yeah. And you were to be a good manager because you were taking care of something that belonged to somebody else. 1 Corinthians 4.2. You know, God says in the Bible that it's required. And when you see something that's a requirement, you, you don't qualify for that particular position because you got to meet the, say it with me, requirements. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Stewardship is very, very important because we're entrusted. The Bible says you don't have to turn there in First Peter 4.10. We're entrusted with the gospel of the grace of God. We are entrusted with the pastors entrusted with the ministry. The people are entrusted with with their salvation, to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you do work to keep it, but it means that you do work because Ephesians says we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are his workmanship. So God has entrusted us just like kids. Now, a lot of you have a lot of kids. Uh, Is it uh, it the Burtons and the Henrys that are tied nine for nine? Yeah, nobody's got any more than you guys? (laughs) So, they're entrusted with those kids. What does the Bible say about those kids? The fruit of the womb is His reward. What does the Bible say? And lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. So, we are to be good stewards of our children. And Mary and I, we have two kids, Joel and Sarah. When I... Just after I became pastor in 94, we, we did lose a child uh, to heaven. Well, we didn't lose the child. We know where the child's at. <laughs> and we'll see that child again. We named the child Precious Hughes. So we are to be good stewards of our children. We are to be good stewards of our time and our talents and our treasures. We are to be good managers. People over the years, for 31 years, people said this, Uh... I can't come to church because I'm doing this. I can't come to church cuz and I've heard every lame excuse and I used to think this, man, an excuse is just a a, a lie wrapped up in the skin of a reason. And I I, I just was like, oh, really? Can't you manage your life a little better and just give give God an hour Sunday morning and an hour Sunday night and an hour Wednesday night? Please, please. <laughs> then one pastor said to me, you know, Brother Hughes, they do one for fun, two won't do, and three to thrive. And I said, yeah, yeah. Then he said this. He says, some people will come Sunday morning to, you know, They love their friends, and they want to see their friends. And some people come Sunday night because they love the pastor and give them two in one day. But boy, those that come Wednesday night, they come because they love God. (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny myself. (laughs) But, But we need to come to fellowship. We need to come to worship. We need to come to get discipleship. And, you know, we need to be good stewards we need to be good stewards. Um, one guy said to me, "Oh, brother Hughes, you're so good with money. Oh, we got this new building built out of debt, and, and we got these missionaries and we got, you're a good steward of God's resources. but how come you can't manage your weight?" <laughs> yeah I understand not everybody's a good manager, okay? But we can strive to do better. Amen. Right. Oh no, I'm doing as good as I ever can. Really? You're saying God can't grow you? God can't change you? Right. He's still working on me, right. making me what I ought to be. I, these ships, and the sad part about it is, is some people do jump ship, and when you think about stewardship, it's so so important. And tonight, I'll be preaching a message, and the topic, it's on something that people waste, it's something that people spend, and it's something that people say they never have enough of. Anybody tell me what it is? Time. Time. I thought you were going to say money. (laughs) Because they, oh, do they say time is money? Oh, yeah. So don't miss that. If you think to, this morning's good, tonight is going to be wild. <laughs> Last but not least, on the ships, my wife and I, on our 25th wedding anniversary, went on a cruise ship. By the way, the church isn't a cruise ship. It's a battleship. We went on this cruise show on a marriage cruise. Church sent us to Alaska. And we're walking on the deck, and my wife gets seasick, and... The nurse, she went down to the nurse and got meclizine and, um, you know, fentanyl and morphine and, you know. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> she got the, the dizzy, car-sick medicine. And they said, walk on the deck um, in the fresh air. And so I went out there, and, and the ship was going like this. had the outriggers on it. And it was, it was like a mist at sea. It was really rough. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't sick. I was doing okay. So I went over to the edge of the ship, and I looked down over the edge. Do you know what I saw hanging off the edge of the ship? Anybody tell me? What was hanging off the edge of the ship? Thank you, brother. You must have read my notes before were you in my Bible. Lifeboats. Lifeboats. What are lifeboats for? Somebody tell me. What are lifeboats for? If somebody went overboard or so... Yes, sound man in cupboard. Shipsy? The lifeboat goes out and also if somebody's overboard or somebody's drowning, what does the lifeboat do? Save them. The church, even though it's a big ship, the church is a lifeboat. People are sinking in sin all around us. They're dying and going to hell. And we don't know when they're going to die. Last time I was here, Jeremiah's grandpa was sitting right where that gentleman is. And I knew him and, and got my picture with him. Well, here, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, I did his funeral. And so the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little while. I just did a funeral Friday in North Dakota for a guy that was 93. You say, well, he lived long. Really? Did he? Did he really? Three score and 10, that's 70. And if, if man's days are any longer. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. That's why you need to be ready today. Today is the day of salvation. You hear the voice of the Lord. You harden not your heart. You know, people think, well, I go to church. I'm good, I'm good. I go to church, I'm a Christian. I can take you over to my house at Power and Broadway, put you into my garage, and in the morning, you're not going to come out a car. Church doesn't make you a Christian. Well, I was baptized when I was a kid. Water doesn't wash away your sin. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? penalty of our sin what is the penalty of our sin the hot place you thought you were in the hot place somebody told me the other day oh i'm i'm going to heaven when i die because i've been in hell and i said what do you mean you've been in hell yeah this is hell on earth i said no this ain't hell on earth how do you know because i'm a christian and there ain't no christians in hell the bible says Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. That's what Easter's all about. Thou shalt be saved, saved from the penalty of our sin. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever, that's you, 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 you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved is short for salvation. Save means save from the penalty of our sin. You know, people die, they say, well, he died of a heart attack. He died of diabetes. He died of this. He died of that. No, he died because of sin. If there'd be no sin, Adam and Eve would still be living. Amen? They'd still be living. But sin separates us from God. And if you don't get reconciled back to God and come back into a right relationship with Him... Through Jesus Christ, He's the mediator. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. You see, when a couple is having marriage troubles and they're going to get divorced, unless they get reconciled and unless they come back together, they're separated. And you know, we're separated from God because of our sin. And you know, somebody's going to have to stay there. Sorry. And it ain't going to be God, is it? It ain't going to be God. So today, if you're saved already, why not come on board? If you're saved, don't jump ship. I don't care how discouraged the devil sometimes wants to make you. And if you're not saved, jump in the lifeboat. Noah preached for 120 years, Come on, it's going to rain. Come on, get on the ark. Get on the ark. Get on the ark. The ark was a picture of Jesus Christ, because the ark was going to save them from destruction. Nobody got on. Noah, his wife, three boys, and their three wives. And what happened when the rain started coming? Who shut the door? Anybody tell me? God shut the door. Time was up. Don't let God shut the door of opportunity in your life. God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. If you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your heart. If God's pulling at your heartstring, trust me. Believe in me. I love you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, thats you, 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 believeth in Him, put all your faith, hope, and trust in Him, should not perish, die, and go to hell, but have everlasting life. Where is that going? Heaven. Heaven. You know, if you're not saved, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So today, will you take the challenge... If you're saved, how is your worship? If you're saved, have you presented yourself to God, a living sacrifice? Are you giving yourself to Him, giving Him the praise, honor, and glory that He's worthy of Do His name? It's our reasonable service. How is your fellowship with Him? Do you have a quiet time with Him? Do you read the Bible? Do you pray? How is your discipleship? Have you learned anything since you got saved? How is your stewardship? Are you managing your time, your money? Are you managing your family? How is your stewardship? How is your soul winning? You know, I picture myself in a lifeboat with a trolling motor. There's somebody over there saying, And I says, Help! why don't we go and pull them out? Why don't we give them a gospel track? Why don't we invite them to church? Why don't we give them a ride? That takes effort, doesn't it? I have to envision people walking around on fire that they're going to either go to heaven or hell. And we're here. And when I got discipled, I got discipled to be a soul winner and to tell people, no, not everybody I talk to gets saved, but we plant seeds and we plant seeds and we plant seeds and somebody else may harvest, somebody else. Why don't you jump on board the ship? And if you're not saved today, jump in the lifeboat and God will save you.